Welcome to Innovations in Leadership, a Success League radio production. This is a podcast focused on customer success and the leaders who are designing and implementing best practices in our field. This podcast is brought to you by the Success League, a consulting and training firm focused on developing customer success programs that drive revenue. My name is Kristen Hayer, and I'm the host of Innovations in Leadership and the founder and CEO of the Success League. And joining me today is Harini Gokul, the head of customer success at Amazon Web Services. And we're going to be talking about strategic customer success on how to approach the role as proactive, strategic, and driving customer value. So Harini, welcome to the show today. Thank you. It is great to be here. So tell me a little bit about how you ended up in the field of success. It's a good story. So I started off, I'm a recovering engineer. I love the discipline of engineering, but what I wanted to see was how does engineering impact humans? So after engineering school, my first role was um, at a bank. And when I went to the bank, their first thought was, I'm going to sign you up for IT. And I said, no, no, I'm here because I want to understand what do you do and how does that impact humans? And they said the only job available was to be in support and walk in support. So this is like 20 years ago when customers would actually walk into a bank and you would be the first line of defense for them addressing support. That was my job, fresh out of engineering school, onto a desk, working for a retail bank. And you really get to see sort of, you know, the worst case scenarios, crying, customers yelling, crying. And that got me thinking about how do we not help customers get there? What could we be doing proactively to make sure we're anticipating these things? And I did some research on what customer delight and satisfaction looked like. That got the attention of a professor at Vanderbilt who was writing a book on lifetime value. So I still have like a mini PhD on customer lifetime value that my mother regrets I've not completed yet. So I did that. And that then got me into a career of just thinking about customers, you know, starting with customers first in all of my cloud and transformation conversations. And then it ended up with formally being in customer success uh, a few years ago. Got it. Tell me a little bit about AWS. I've always been so curious about the organization and and tell us how you like to see CS teams set up. I know you've done work for Microsoft as well as AWS. How do you like to structure your groups? It's another great question. I think CS, as you know, Kristen, you live this every day, is such an evolving function and evolving muscle for us, right? And I love that we are at the ground floor of this opportunity because we get to shape and evolve it in a way that best adds value to our customers and their customers. And that has really been my first principles and my tenant as I think about setting up customer teams. It's about, you know, what are our customers' needs and how do we serve them best? And that translates into two or three things. It translates into the type of role. We know, uh, again, customer success is such a sliding scale. You have very operational-focused CSMs. You have very technical-focused CSMs. I tend to be on the more technical side of it. Our customers are technical, and as a result, our CSMs are technical because they need that credibility to participate, get a seat at the table, and really engage in decisions and conversation. So they tend to be more technical. The second thing that I am a big believer in is customer success as a team sport. When done right, we are all accountable for customer success with, of course, the CSM flying the flag and being that connective tissue. But it's important that it's a, we build a coalition of the willing. 
And so being best friends with my sales and product team is important. And that is how my teams are structured, which includes a composition of, you know, sales representation, uh, service team and product engagement and some deep technical expertise. And then the third thing is operationalizing this, right? And that, of course, depends on the customer, the transformation journey they're going through, the size of the customer. And we have a traditional pyramid model the way a number of other companies do, which is some customers need some dedicated support and customer success stewardship. Others require a more distributed model. And for all of them, we support them with some digital playbooks and assets to make sure that we continue to provide a frictionless, seamless journey for our customers, regardless of who's engaged. Yeah, I love it. Well, let's jump into our topic. We're going to talk about strategic customer success. So can you define strategic customer success for the audience today? Because the word strategic gets thrown around a lot. And I know that you mean something very specific by it. I agree. The word strategic is overused. For me, strategic customer success, all customer success is, are we delivering value proactively in an accelerated fashion to our customers? If I address my customer priorities, which tend to be their customers, right? What do your customers care about? They care about their customers, right? So if I care about my customers and their customers and deliver on those priorities, that's customer success. So Harini, what does it take to create a strategic customer experience? There are at least three components of a strategic customer experience. We start with, like I said before, what your customers' priorities are. And I'll go into each one of them, but let me lay it out. So you start with the customer and what they care about. Then you translate that into shared accountabilities and goals that you can jointly deliver on. And third is about excellence and execution. I have a favorite saying, talk is cheap, walk is hard. Look for those who walk the walk. So the third, to me, that's the essence of success, right? You're strategic and you're doing the big think big and the big tent, but then you have to be able to deliver. And there's a piece in delivery, which is, you know, when you do that excellence in education, you are making the news, not just reporting the news, right? So we'll get to that in a minute. But let's start with where we should all start, which is the customer. And to me, It's important to understand where your customer's North Star and priorities are. And in order to do that, we sit down and do envisioning sessions on what are their goals? What does good look like when we do this together? And it's been fascinating to bring um, folks into the room to have this conversation because lately you will see, and you notice this, Kristen, your customer stakeholder landscape is vast. So many of my customers are owned by private equity firms. There are activist investors sitting on their boards. And so, All of this create this environment, which is more nuanced and complex than it's ever been before. So getting everybody's perspectives in a room and saying, what would the PE investor want? What would the CIO want? What does the board want? And then translating that to a set of crisp priorities, three to five priorities that we could jointly agree to take accountability for is so key. And the second thing there is also helping customers think broader than they would have for themselves. So I have a number of customers who are thinking about product roadmaps, right? How do I ship this? How do I ship that? My customers need this feature. How do I enable it? And I see my role as helping expand the optics on that conversation. So several times we will bring in our service and our product teams to have this bi-directional conversation to say, you want to do this. We have this available. 
is there an opportunity to co-solution and to partner on it? What that does is it helps your CIO or a CISO or your CTO think broader and go, huh, I could actually use partners to make it faster for me to deliver what I want to. I don't have to build everything myself. I can make better use of my resources. So you give them creative ways to also think about how they achieve their objectives. And the third thing is, of course, you know, making sure that you're delivering, again, with excellence, but also in a way that allows for innovation. Just delivering on a migration or a modernization exercise or helping them expand is job one. But then you say, once we're done with this, what does this really help you do? If you have retired technical depth, you've moved to a modern environment, what capabilities does it unlock for you? that we could then help do more on. So several of my customers, I have a contact center customer that was this morning who's working on AIML solutions to better serve their customers who are call center agents. And so our job is to say, how do we work with you so you can experiment faster, you can build faster and get and serve your customers faster? So it's not just about helping them move from one spot to another, it's helping them innovate as well. Yeah, it's that creativity that you're bringing to the table that really helps with strategy because you're you're thinking big for your customer and with your customer and proactively doing that. And so I think that that's an interesting piece of what you're describing is the ability to think creatively and really get down to what the customer is really looking for. I think sometimes we have a tendency to just take things at face value from customers. Like I need that button to be purple. And, you know, if you never ask the why, the reason for that button being purple in the mind of the customer might mean something really big that if you never ask that question, you'll never understand. And so I love that you think about and talk about getting deeper with the client and really truly partnering with them. Tell me how that ties into product-led growth with customers and how How does product-led growth, in your mind, really shift as a a company matures? Yeah, no, it's it's another great conversation. We've seen such a growth in product-led growth, PLG companies. And I've been fortunate to have, you know, been part of several of their journeys. What I will say is, you know, the first is the business models, right? To understand uh, many of your PLGs are B2B serving mission critical needs for their customers. And so our job is to say, again, starting with the customer, what does good look like for them, right? They are about velocity of product. They are about being more efficient with their resources because they have highly paid engineers who they want at the front of the funnel, not at the back doing undifferentiated heavy lifting. And the third piece is co-solutioning, being on the marketplace together. What does a better together story look like? So all of these are aspects of maturity and growth for a PLG organization. I often start very simply with basic fundamental things like how do you manage infrastructure? How do you retire debt? And then it progresses on, you know, you earn trust to say, what else could we unlock for you? What other features, what other services could we bring to the table for you? And the third piece is, of course, the better together. How do we go to market with you in a way that we are providing, amplifying your solution, your services to a shared group of customers. That is the journey that we really want them to be on with us. Yeah, 
Now, as we were preparing for this interview, you mentioned the technical triad. So what is that and what does it mean in terms of taking this strategic approach? Right. So, you know, it goes back to how we best support our customers, right? And we find that PLG companies, but also many customers I work with are deeply technical. They want to be in touch with the folks who actually did the code and had their hands on the keyboard, so to speak. And once you need credibility to earn a seat at that table, so you can then start to influence some of these discussions we've talked about. What do you build? What do you buy? How do you co-solution? So we have a trio the triad uh, set of resources dedicated to certain customers. And that includes one, the account manager, who is the CEO of the account, right? This, that person is, is the leader of the account. And then you have a solutions engineering role that is deeply technical. So if you think of life as a T bar, that person is the deep T. And then you have the customer success role, which is the broad T, which is the connective tissue, the COO of the account, just orchestrating it together and then bringing their own mechanisms to bear. But also our job is, you know, the three of them together are accountable for the customer and the priorities they sign up for. Their jobs also are to say, what else could we bring to the table to benefit our customer? So like I said, because we tend to have very technically innovative customers who are pushing the limits of our services. And I love that. A lot of our roles is orchestrating this bi-directional roadmap and product conversation between our teams and the customer teams. So a very typical thing that a CSM does is called a roadmap transparency meeting. And that is a bi-directional conversation where we bring in under NDA, bring in our service teams, our customers, stakeholders, and service teams, and have this conversation where we together talk about what does the future look like? What do roadmaps look like? What are opportunities to collaborate so the customer can make smart, efficient choices on where to deploy their talent and their dollars? That is one example of how we sort of bring in our services teams into all of our conversations. Another example is anytime a customer adopts a large service or a product, that leader on that team becomes the executive sponsor of the customer. And that is a great way for our teams to understand really what's going on at the customer. How is this deployment happening? How is the customer adoption experience happening and learn from it? And it gives the customer peace of mind because they know that the person who leads this team that built this service is a phone call away for them. Yeah. Well, and that kind of leads me into my next question, really. And you sort of touched on this a little bit in your last answer, but um, you talked about customer success having a seat at the table. And I think that's really important. And I think that I hear a lot of CS leaders and CS teams talking about wanting a seat at the table, but you have to earn your seat at the table. And to earn it, you do have to provide strategic value. Can you talk about that a little bit? Sure. I agree with you. You have to absolutely earn your seat at the table. That requires to earn trust. You need to show ownership, which means the customer needs to feel there is no sunlight between your priorities and their priorities. And that is really our job one, right? When I hire, I'm looking for that. Are you an owner, right? As CSMs, we get things thrown our way all the time. You know that you live in this world, right? Not everything I, I know anything about, but how do I take ownership and navigate so the customer has a single pane of glass to say, if I give it to Harini, I know she's going to go get me my responses, my specialists, whoever I need. So I think that ownership is so important. That's job one. The second thing is bringing value to the customer. And we do that in many ways, right? 
because we get to work with such a broad portfolio of customers, I have experiences. My CSMs have patterns and practices that they've observed across a portfolio. And they look at how do I take that and apply it to my customer? From a food delivery startup to a large enterprise that's migrating off its data centers, we have something to say, we've been on this journey. Here are some things we've seen that we think may be relevant to you. Let's pause and have a conversation about it. And I think that's a great way of adding value because no customer that I have worked with wants to waste time, money, or their people solving problems that have been solved before. They want to move fast, cheap, secure, right? The third thing I would say is, again, big tent thinking is so important. And I'll give you an example. A lot of our customers have sustainability goals. Climate change, you know, as we're all sitting in this uh, heat wave, Climate change is such an important, critical topic. Our customers are stepping up to the plate, taking on goals. And the VP of sustainability has emerged as a critical C-level hire. So as CSMs, we could say sustainability is not our job, right? But here's the catch. That person who has those sustainability goals will only achieve them if the business achieves their goals. So if you retire a data center, you reduce your carbon footprint. So we will embrace the VP of sustainability and bring them to the table because we know they are an added voice in accelerating transformation. That's the sort of creative thinking you want from a CSM. And that's the kind of value a customer sees and goes, great, they are connecting the dots for me, so I don't have to do it. I love it because it's a very holistic view of the business. All of the parts of a business interact with all of the other parts of the business. And if you kind of, or a CSM who just wants to focus on your little tiny piece of the puzzle, you're going to miss out on the opportunities that come from learning the bigger business of your client. I think it's so important that you bring that up as a part of strategy. You know, we talk a lot about value in customer success as well. When you hear the term value, what does that mean to you? Two things. When you say value, these are the two things that come to my mind. Would my customer say I delivered value? fast did I deliver value? And I think the first question most of us ask, right? Like, And to me, that's important. My priorities are my customers' priorities. And that is value. That is the definition of value for me. If they've achieved what they set out to achieve, expand, invest in Europe, launch a new product, whatever they wanted to achieve, if they did that, tick. But the second one is one we really need to spend some time on, velocity. My job is not just to deliver value. It's to deliver value faster, better, cheaper, more sustainably than the customer could have done for themselves. And that is something I think I'm I'm always pushing on. It's very important as a cultural tenant to accelerate. But thinking about how you can accelerate that value with some of the patterns and practices we've talked about, bringing mechanisms to bear that we know can help them go through their processes faster. But accelerating time to value is as important as delivering value. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. Just to kind of wrap up this topic, if a CS leader is listening to this and they're thinking, gosh, I wish my team was more strategic, I'm starting to realize that that's really important. What would be your biggest piece of advice to them to get started down that road? Regardless of where you're in the organization, take a look at your customer and say, am I gold to meet your priorities? Ask the question. Questions are the best way to get to where you want to ask. Are my goals aligned with your customers' priorities? If not, what? (laughs) If not, 
double click and say, what do I need to do? If I'm all about internal services adoption, but my customer, you know, is really on cost optimization because the market is where it is, there's funding scarcity, and they're thinking about ways to be grow more efficiently. And I'm all about expanding my services. There is a disconnect, right? How do I embrace cost optimization? as a cornerstone of what I want to do with the customer and start there. So their goals and my goals are aligned. How do I support them in where they want to be on their journey to efficient growth? As I do that and help them do that, there will be opportunities to land what I want to land, right? And expand my footprint, but start by aligning on priorities. And I think where we are in this moment of macroeconomic volatility is an absolute great opportunity to start if you don't do it today. Every crisis is an opportunity. Customers are going to remember the companies and the partners who stood with them and have helped them shape their journey and think through what comes ahead and think about scenarios. So I would say no better time to start than today. Yeah. And along with that, I think, you know, people often sort of overcomplicate the idea of what a success plan has to be. I think you can start small and simple and get a lot of power out of it. It's really more about the conversation, not about whatever tool you're going to use to track it. You could track it in a spreadsheet. You could track it in a, you know, in your CRM system. You can put it anywhere. And don't get caught up on that and think, oh, I can't do this until I have a CS management platform in place. You can use any tool. You just have to get started. So I would encourage you, if you're not doing that already, get started now with whatever you've got at hand. We call it, you know, you call it value map, call it success map, but have a piece of a document that illustrates your customer priorities and what you are doing as work streams with like races and ORBs and milestones and owners to achieve them. And I agree, there's a lot of time spent on tools, but to have the right mental model in place and then you could translate into Asana or Gainsight or Congo or your tool of choice. The framework is the important part. Exactly. Okay, last question. This is one that we ask all of our guests. It's kind of a chance to off-road a little bit. Uh, what do you see as the biggest trend in customer success right now and why? I think there are multiple trends in customer success. Um, one, it's about offense versus defense. We've matured from being a, I'm going to come to you when I need you, or I'm going to come to you for an escalation, or I'm going to look at you for retention and churn, right? Like this very narrow, like, give me your churn numbers to a more strategic, holistic function that works more, you know, to it's moving left, right? It's moving upstream along a, a traditional customer journey. Uh, as the lines between pre-sales and post-sales blur, I think the value of customer success is, is being acknowledged. It's moving left. There is more strategic opportunities to engage. The second thing I'll say is we have to be thinking about how we use all the intelligence at our disposal, the AIML tools and services at our disposal to share and scale customer success broadly, right? All the patterns and practices and the playbooks, how do you make sure that a customer has customer success and is set up well, even if you do not have a resource for them? I think that is something I see as a real opportunity. It will help force multiply the work of the CSM. So thinking about next, next best actions, thinking about journeys in a very predictive way are all topics that are interesting to me. I love it. 
Well, Harini, thank you so much for our conversation today. I appreciate it. I, I love your ideas and your insights on strategic customer success. Uh, if someone wanted to get in touch with you directly, what's the best way for them to reach out? LinkedIn, please. Okay, great. Well, thank you again. And I also want to thank our producer, Russell Bourne, and our audio expert, Nika Rivers. This podcast is a production of Success League Radio. To learn more about the Success League's consulting and training offerings, please visit our website, thesuccessleague.io. For more great customer success content, follow the Success League on LinkedIn or at TSL Customers on Twitter. You can subscribe to Success League Radio on Apple, Google, Amazon, anywhere else you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening, and we hope you'll join us next time.